Hello, hello. Welcome to Random Acts of Living. I'm your host, Emilia Nordhuk. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited about the story that I have to tell you. So let's go ahead and just dig right into the meat of it. Good morning, and welcome to Random Acts of Living. I'm Amelia, and today I am going to be your storyteller. Um, one of the things I want to talk about this morning is uh, is where I grew up, because it, um, it definitely defined uh, the rest of my life, basically. <laughs> Who I am and, and, and what I stand for and, and what I'm willing to fight and probably, uh, ultimately, ultimately die for. Um, so a little bit about my, my background is I am a second generation Dutch immigrant and my grandparents, all of them came from the Netherlands, um, seeking a better life and to a certain extent, um, religious persecution or discrimination because they're part of a very strict um, Christian sect or sect of the Christian church, um, Dutch reformed church. It's like uh, fire and brimstone, very, very stark. Um, so, <laughs> so my grandfather was a minister, my mother's father, um, and my father's parents were farmers. And I think mostly they were simply seeking a better life in their own land. So, uh, so when my parents met and ultimately conceived me on Valentine's Day, which is a whole different story, um, my dad, and of course we're married because in the 1960s, you just got married and had children. Um, so, so they, my, my father, um, does not look like a typical Dutchman, you know, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes, or, you know, like that. My father does not look like that. My father has, um, genetic background, uh, from India, uh, somewhere in Brazil. And, uh, and I only know this because I've done DNA testing <laughs> because I was like, where did you come from? So he doesn't look white. And, and there were all sorts of like, um, jokes between that side of the family about like, oh yeah, like he looks like a little, you know, a, a little kid from India and, you know, this and that. And, um, so, and I mean, India, the continent, right? correct? So, so anyway, so he graduates from college, my mother's pregnant, and he decides he's not raising his children who he believes will be biracial and in Iowa, he's going to take them to the Navajo reservation. And so he gets a teaching job, uh, in one of the, uh, the private, uh, schools for, um, for Navajo integration. And actually, you know, my parents are really good at this and, and they're very compassionate people. And, and even though they're, they're very strict Christians within this church, you know, they're, I would say, true Christians. And so they, they, you know, they live, they, they want to live the life that Jesus lived. So, um, be kind to others 
you know, do what's right, turn the other cheek, like all of that stuff. My parents were, and, and continue to be some of the most generous people, um, in that way that I know. So, um, so we're on the reservation and, uh, and my mother gives birth to me, um, in a very small, uh, town called Many Farms where there isn't a full hospital. It's just basically a clinic. And I love the story of my birth is they're driving from the house to the, the clinic, which in, in the Navajo reservation is quite expansive you know, between Arizona and New Mexico. And they're on the Arizona side at this point. And, um, and she says, you know, we drove for two hours and all along the way on the side of the road were wild horses. It was almost like they were, they were giving us a procession. They were following you. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's very interesting. So I had, I had a, a, a procession of wild horses following me to, um, to announce my, my birth. So years move on, and um, it turns out that um, all the genetic material from my father's side of the family is still somehow in my genes, but I get 100% of the Dutch genes. Oh, yeah. So, the <laughs> so my dad's like, oh, boy. Um, so I am the blondest, whitest, tallest blue eyes like I stick out on the reservation <sighs> like a sore thumb like there I am like in all the pictures like there's like all these beautiful Navajo children and then in the very back there's this super tall uh white-haired creature <laughs> And, and, you know, um, growing up on the reservation and, and living with, uh, the Navajo and I did, I, I remember being able to speak it as a child, the language, um, uh, definitely defined the world I, I love and that I want to live in. And I have some of the best memories of that um, that the first 10 years of my life and, and I did identify mm -hmm. as Navajo and, you know, I, I was included in the culture. I know that I've spoken to a lot of people who didn't have that experience, but I, but I did, you know, and I felt included and I used to mm -hmm. tell people all the time that I was a, I was a Navajo. I was just a different color. I was white and, um, and I love, and my parents still tell that story, and I love that story because I do think that if we could all simply approach, <laughs> like, our differences and our diversity and embrace it and, and love it at, through the eyes of a child, um, in that way, that uh, we'd be a lot better off. So, but this story today is <laughs> going to be about um, one of the moments that I learned something about money, something about, uh, 
my own personal um, value system and kind of how like, yeah, maybe I'm not the best uh, upstanding citizen. Maybe there's a little part of me that is um, that likes to break the law, break the rules. I've never broken the law, <laughs> by the way, um, intentionally. Um, so, uh, so I'm in first grade. And so my father teaches at the, the private school for, for Navajo children. Um, and I go to the public school for, uh, which is also for Navajo children, but, um, but you, there's a choice and, and I'm not sure I'll have to ask him how that those decisions were made and who made them. But, um, but, uh, so I'm going to the public school and, and I'm in first grade and you can, uh, there's UNICEF is doing a fundraiser. So they have like, um, for those who don't remember, there's these little UNICEF paper boxes, which are really cool. So that you fold them together and then you set them up and, you know, you can deposit, you know, change and stuff like, you know, small, small money and, and so I, uh, my dad gives me 50 cents to put in the UNICEF box. I'm like, ooh, great, 50 cents. So I go to school and, um, and there's the little UNICEF box and I decide, well, let me back up a second. So at the school, I think, uh, a couple afternoons, uh, a week they sell uh, bags of popcorn and the popcorn is popped in like a movie theater style popping uh, apparatus and and it's put into these old-fashioned popcorn bags although probably they weren't old-fashioned at the time but they are now um but so they these these long bags that you would put popcorn in and um and i love popcorn like popcorn i like in me like i will eat it for like breakfast lunch and dinner i'll put all sorts of weird stuff on it that people fine abhorrent and I will just like I'll eat giant bowls of it so so even at six I'm like yeah I love popcorn so um so I put 25 cents in the UNICEF box and I keep the other 25 cents so I can buy two bags of popcorn and so I get my popcorn and I munch that down and and still I don't understand (laughs) (laughs) this next decision because now the rational person who does not want to get caught stealing and lying and, you know, like misappropriation of funds as we would call it, say to the Senate now, uh, is I, you would throw away those bags, throw those bags away. No, not Amelia, because I love those bags. I thought those bags were cool. That was almost the coolest part of getting the popcorn. So, because my mom made popcorn all the time at home, right? So it's not like I didn't have access to popcorn, but what I didn't have access to were the bags. <laughs> so I thought, well, I can reuse these bags. Like I can put my own popcorn in these bags. It'll be like really cool. 
So, um, so I carefully empty all the crumbs out from the bag and, and I remember this very clearly and I, you know, put it on my desk and I iron them out with my hands so they're very flat and I gently fold them up and, um, and I put them in my little backpack and I take them home with me. And I get home and, you know, you take my books, you take your things out of your backpack and why there are these two empty, uh, popcorn bags. Oh goodness me. How did they get into my backpack? That's a mystery. My dad says, Hey, how did these bags get into your backpack? And I say, Oh, I th- somebody must have given them to me, dad. I don't know, I really can't remember. So he's like, uh, you know, I'm sure he's already like putting like, I gave you 50 cents this morning. <laughs> like I'm, I'm pretty sure where these bags came from. But, but my father says nothing <clears throat> after that. So, so that's the end of it. We have dinner, get ready, I go to bed. And, um, during the night, I suffer so much guilt. Like I'm having terrible dreams. I wake up. I've like lied to my father. I've taken money from UNICEF that feeds children. Like all of a sudden I'm just like, Oh my God, like I'm going to hell because do remember (laughs) I come from a very strict religious upbringing. So like, dude, it's clear, like I'm going to hell. Um, so, so at that point, I'm just like racked with guilt. Couldn't sleep. Like I'm six years old, six years old, all this because I had to have those stupid popcorn bags. So, Anyway, I crawl out of bed the next morning, exhausted, rings under my eyes. Like, oh, it was just terrible. And my dad's like, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, well, I have something to tell you. He's like, really? <laughs> really, you do? <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> um, a friend didn't give me those popcorn bags. He's like, oh, really? Where'd they come from then? Well, you know how you gave me 50 cents yesterday? Well, I took 25 cents and I bought the two bags of popcorn and I kept the bags. And he was like, oh, you know, I thought something like that might have happened. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm still like, really? <laughs> really, Dad? You did and you didn't say anything? It's like, wow, I, I thought that if you did that, you would tell me the truth. And I said, yeah, well, I just did. (laughs) It was like, well, and that's good. Sometimes it takes a while for us to get around to it. And he said, so what do you think we should do? And I said, well, I think I should take 25 cents from my money, and I think I should give it to UNICEF. And he said, I think that's a really good idea because I, I, it's not okay that you took money from me that was supposed to go to UNICEF. So you, you need to pay that back. I was like, 
I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Please let me go back to sleep now. And, um, and he said, but also I want you to know that if you want to buy popcorn someday at school, that all you have to do is ask me and we can talk about it. And I was like, Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So um, my father is not a very, um, he's not a person who emotes. He's not a person who really talks about his feelings. So, you know, unless you bring something up to him, he's not going to volunteer that information. <laughs> so, so until this situation happened, I don't think I would have ever known that I could have asked him, um, for 25 cents for popcorn. Now he did also, you know, say, it doesn't mean I'm going to say yes, but it does mean that we can have the conversation. So, uh, I was like, all right, we'll keep this in mind. And it's, it's also very much shaped, um, the way that I am able to deal with money. And even though I think, you know, things are not fair, um, I, I feel, you know, that, that that's, that that's a really good way of handling, um, that situation and kind of being clear. Now there's like so many other like really fucked up ways and issues that I have with money, but those are all for different stories. Um, this one in particular, I just felt it was my first real understanding about, um, the power of money, the power of being able to make decisions about money and the power of, well, lying about money, which I think happens a lot because we have a lot of shame around what we spend money on and what we feel is valuable and how we want to be perceived. So I... I, again, I'm really grateful that I got to have this experience with somebody, my father, who could, who could walk me through it in a way that was, um, I think pretty healthy, um, given, uh, given the situation. I think, you know, a lot of parents just would have like, I know you're lying to me. But kudos to dad for building that heavy dose of guilt into my psyche. Definitely. Yep. I'm an insomniac now. <laughs> Good work, dad. <laughs> because you know, if I don't lie awake worrying about it and feeling guilty about it, whatever it is, it is not going to fix itself. Like that, that level of guilt and anxiety. My husband, who is Jewish, was like, God, it's just like you're a Jew. You worry so much. <laughs> like, how'd it work out for you? Just go to sleep. So, yeah, guilt's pretty universal. I think, uh, I think all religions, um, have done a great job. And mothers are not the only people who can instill a, a heavy dose of guilt into their children. I think we do need to give fathers a lot of that, um, that, uh, equity in dispersing guilt <laughs> to their kids. 
thank you for joining me. And if you found this interesting or provocative or maddening, well, leave me a review and tell me about it. Drop me a line. Let me know some of your stories. And thanks again for joining me. I look forward to talking to you again. Have a great day. Be well. Stay present. Aloha. Aloha.